smoking too many fucking cigars. You've been smoking cigars? No, I've not smoked a single cigar. Okay, welcome back to the Keenan Lake <laughs> Podcast, the premier whiskey podcast, now at the mention of whiskey in style. Hey, this is Jake coming live from my basement in Lakeview, East Chicago, Illinois, also known as the International Recording Studios of Key in the Lake Podcast. To my left, I have, oh, Callum O'Donnell. He's back. <laughs> did you go somewhere? Actually, no, you did. I've been a bunch of places, actually, since I was last on, I think. Yeah. Miami, New York, and Ibiza. Oh, you're just an international man of mystery. Jet setter. Jet setter. Mm-hmm. Have any fun? Lots of. Mm. Do you want to introduce our guest today? I do. This is um, the one, the only, the man, the myth, Mr. Kyle Smith. I didn't, I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but it did. I do this all the time. I mean, mm. let's let's mm. roll with it. <laughs> I was, I was going to say f- uh, first time on the podcast, but welcome back to the podcast. We did a live yeah. podcast in November of last year, I want to say. I think it was. Yeah. Cigar Club. Not Cigar Club. Birch Road. Birch Road, but we did a cigar tasting there one time. You oh, was that what it was on the back? But this that event, the live one, was a little bit better than that event. Yeah, it was super cool. We talked about some American single malts. It was nice and some international ones. Yeah, yeah. the Glenlivet. Yeah, the Avalauer. The Avalauer. Not anymore. I mean, we had a beautiful spread and a beautiful space. It was nice. It was good. It was, it was I nice. had a really good time that night. That was fun. Uh, actually, they want to do more of those, so we should probably do that. I run into Dennis at every outdoor festival in Chicago, and he's like, hey, you want to do some more podcasts? I'm like, yeah, I do. I remember seeing him at um, the sampling at Benny's, Whiskeys of the World. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he shook, shook his hand, and I was like, oh, man, I cannot place this guy. Mm. And then he handed me his card, and I was like, ah, mm. yes. There it is. There it is. Mm. Yeah, you're pouring the wonderful world of Westward that night. We actually had one American single malt, now that I think about it. So, But we had a couple of expressions, so, you know. Right. A little this, a little that. So, Callum, get the, get it straight. Sorry, get your story Lots straight. Single malts. We're our own whiskeys of the single world. malts of the world. Single malts of the world. That's what I think it's actually what we tagged it as. Yeah, probably. We're cheesy <laughs> like that. Oh God. Um, yeah, you were pouring the wonderful Westward that night. Since then, not uh, not pouring for them as much anymore, huh? Nah. At this point, you know, I'm just kind of pouring whatever I'm in the mood for, which is really nice. Westward usually still fits that bill, but you know, mm. now. We'll say my palate is expanding. I like that. What was what was the one that we had that West? Was it the stout cask that was just phenomenal? Love the stout cask. That's yeah, a brilliant, brilliant pour. It's stupid. I mean, that and the the Pinot Noir cask. Yeah, the Pinot Noir is probably my favorite to cocktail with. Um, but the stout cask is money in the bank. And if they ever put out their rum cask, oh, that I'm really excited to to see. Hit shelves. I didn't know they had a rum cask. Yeah, I think it's um Miles. You're holding it's out. Yes, is it on the DL? It's, like? it, I, I don't want to say it's on the DL, but it's not available yet. I think it's um like an Australian exclusive at the moment. I think some whiskey Makes club sense. in Australia like just has the rights to it for the next year or so. Huh. Do you know what rum they're using? Or uh, what, what, what? Casa Magdalena. Oh, yeah. nice. Um, it is. A fine sipping juice, I must say. I've really just come around on rum casts. Um, one of them that actually helped me out was the Glenlivet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really nice. The Caribbean cask. The Caribbean cask. Lovely. Caribbean, Caribbean Reserve, actually. Because mm. some of the rum casts get too much of that maple syrupy rum taste to it, and mm-hmm. it overwhelms the actual whiskey itself. I don't think it brings anything great to it. Whereas, uh, I'm sure Western's great. I love everything they do um, there. I also love how they represent the terroir of everything by using those local casts, like this local stout, local Pinot Noirs, to 
barrel aged or finish their uh, single malts inside of. Bring it up a lot as an example of how to represent place when making whiskey. But we don't have to dwell on westward. We can. Well, I, don't, I think the, the, point, the point is there's so much that westward, it's more so that since then there's been a couple of changes for you, haven't there? Yeah. Um, things have changed a lot recently for me. Um, so I'm no longer kind of on the westward team, we'll say. I'm still an avid supporter, but we'll, we'll call it unofficial. There you go. Um, and uh, Just drinking it a lot, but having to purchase it yourself sometimes. Yeah. Oh, trust me, I got plenty still. <laughs> <laughs> Good man. Good man. How long were you in, like, were you a part-time ambassador for them? Right? Yeah, I yeah. was I was with them part-time for two years, um, and it was an interesting two years because I started right at, um, what was it, March? <laughs> February 2020. Oh, Jesus. Um, what a wonderful time. So I'm just like, all right, I'm about to, you know, go and spread the, the good news yeah. of, of Westward. And then the entire world shuts down and my entire job changes. <laughs> um, so kind of learning on the fly, I guess we'll call it, mm-hmm. was, was interesting. And it was great. You know, I got to connect with a lot of cool people. Um, and I think the, the footprint of Westward has, has grown exponentially, even throughout the pandemic, you know, um, not just in Chicago. I think, mm. I think people are starting to now more get hip to the category, um, and to the, the brand itself. So I'm, I'm proud of what we were able to do. Absolutely. You're always juggling multiple things and positions in the air as well. So what were you doing other than just working for Westward at that time? Um, too much, honestly. <laughs> my my girlfriend says that I have a complex and I need to sit my ass down somewhere. Um, and I don't know. I feel like I have an opportunity to do that now. Yeah. Um, because also for the past two years, I was running the bar for a restaurant called Etta. Never heard of it. Uh, it's a shame. I heard the bartenders are shocking. One of them. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, we had a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that was, you know, uh, a beast in itself. You know, it's just high volume all the time, all cocktails all the time, always busy all the time. Two locations. Yeah, all two the locations time. the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it's another scenario of, you know, I was proud of what we were able to do. You know, we opened our River North location also right in the thick of, of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, we were able to push through. We were able to drive, you know, business and kind of pivot between outdoor and then indoor and then back outdoor again. Um, and then slowly kind of build back up to, you know, full capacity. Um, and and I think it's it's at a place now where I can say, OK, you know, and and get them started on a handoff to, to the next mm. person to kind of steer that ship. Um and yeah, aside from that, I was also doing, um, I guess we'll call it camping programming. Um, there's a camp group that I, I work with called Camp Yoshi, and I kind of took on the role of beverage counselor. Hmm. Um, and that's that's something that I'm still kind of doing right now. Um, we're actually gearing up for a, a big trip, I guess we'll call it. Um, the end of this month, we're we're taking out a bunch of um, Nike employees out in Oregon um, as a part of their staff retention okay. program, um, and I'm excited about it. You know, I'm, I'm a size f- eleven. Fingers crossed, we can get some swag. <laughs> uh, but I'm also not holding my breath. I'm I'm mostly excited to kind of get back out into the world with you know our crew. Um, 
our we have a chef who's like our leader and organizer and mm. i'm excited to eat more of his food to be honest yeah, he's, um, he's good oh he's so he's do you guys killer. like do the full camping experience then yeah i mean it's it's all in and it's not glamping by any means okay. it's like you're sleeping on the ground you're handling your business in a bucket you know it's a tent you know and chef pulls up with his <laughs> huge uh you know what do they call them? Runner vans, speeder yeah. vans, something yeah. like that. And he's got all his equipment and, you know, we set up a little bar. He sets up the kitchen and, you know, we make it happen. Hell yeah. How did that, that, how'd that all start? Um, I actually got plugged in with them through Westward. Um, I think it was their inaugural trip. Oh. Um, we sponsored um, some of their beverage stuff. Um, and I got to go out there and work with them on their like test trip. So it was mm -hmm. like the chef and a couple of his friends and his wife, and they were just kind of doing like a trial run and, you know, it went really well. And I was like, Hey, if y'all ever need, you know, more consistent help, let me know. Cause this is great. Yeah. And I literally got a call a week later. He said, Hey, you trying to be down? And I said, hell yeah, I'm trying to be down. Right. I mean, it's probably the coolest thing I've ever been paid to do is, you know, go camping in wild locations and run a bar. Yeah. Cause I saw some pictures of you like, and the backdrop of the Grand Canyon or whatever. Yeah. yeah and I was like, yo, like, what wild. are you doing out there? And yeah. you were like, yeah, I'm, I'm basically getting, basically come, they give me some money to come and pour drinks on these trips. And I was oh, like, yeah. that sounds superb. Yeah. How long have you been doing this? Um, also about two years. I feel okay. like a lot of what I have been currently, you yeah. know, invested in has kind of been in this like massive, tightly packed two year window. Mm. Um, but yeah, now at this point, you know, I just left Etta, um, you know, I'm a free agent brand wise. <laughs> um, and you know, I'm excited for this upcoming, uh, Camp Yoshi trip, but I'm also like trying to take a minute to as my girl would say, sit my ass down, mm -hmm. you know, and just kind of enjoy the summer, work at a couple of events here and there and kind of plot my next move. We'll, but we'll it's refreshing see. to hear people that take advantage of the last two years or maybe the, you know, the year and a half before the last half year where we had a lot of time to sit and think and but also kind of pursue our passions or pursue things we were interested in to be enough time for before all of this. And taking advantage of that, it's uh, pretty admirable in my book. I was also going to say it's good. It's nice to see someone taking advantage of some time off. Sounds like you're actually going to just right. relax where I feel like a lot of people leave their jobs or like they're already, they've got one foot out the door and their other foot's in another door, you know? So it's nice to hear that you're going to enjoy this time in Chicago because this is the best time of the year here. It you is. Know? It you is. might as well take a month, two months, whatever it is, and just keep it, keep it ticking over with events, like you say, with Camp Yoshi. And then when that's all done... On to the next one. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm I'm hopeful that I'll actually, you know, chill. I mean, but knowing it's me. Hard. It's hard. Man. Knowing it's hard. me, I could be unemployed and still find a way to work 65 hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, yeah, I'm already thinking about, all right, pop-ups, events. What, what can I do? How can I just, because, you know, I, I sit on the couch and I just immediately start getting restless. And yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be more active and more, uh intentional about just chilling for mm. now you know i i could probably catch up on some cleaning mm. you know uh I, i'm the kind of guy as well like whenever i go on holiday regardless of what it is i can't do the whole like i go into the room and i'm just sit with a book or i go down to the butcher or sit at the bar with a pina yeah. colada i yeah. can't do it no. i need mm -hmm. 
like if I'm somewhere, I need to be like, I need to be going on a hike or I need to be like going to an event and I'd be the same way, man. I'd have to force myself to be like, okay, I need to calm down. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's, there's a big difference between going on vacation and taking a trip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, big Active difference. Rest. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, and then yeah. one way, way that one travels, it uh, might not always line up with the person you're traveling with sometimes. Yes, this yeah. is true. Yeah. Like a honeymoon, you're like, hey, let's go to the Azores and do some hiking and stay in the hotel where there's no one around you for 20 miles. No. That didn't go nice <laughs> well. How about we go across the uh, water to Portugal instead? But no, I, I agree. It's it's There always is need for time, need for rest. That was one of the, the blessings. If You know, I, I think we're seeing the light pretty much when coming out of COVID right now. And one thing when I finally got COVID in April was... I just didn't do anything for a week. Just sat and like actually slept for eight, nine hours a night, which is very rare and yeah. didn't work out for a week, which is amazing how your body feels better after that. You mm. think, Oh, I didn't work out for a week. It's gonna be terrible. I'm going to get fat. Like, no, I actually lost weight. <laughs> you know, it, it's weird in that sense where you can feel your body resetting and everyone needs to do that every once in a while. So I hope you can take advantage of this time and figure out whatever you want to do with it. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'll, you spoke a little bit about your pop-ups. Um, can you kind of go into what you usually do with those? Yeah. Um, another kind of, I guess we'll call it a COVID pivot. Um, <laughs> Please, let's not call it that. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. I just heard it so many times. The number one word of 2000 in the last two years. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Um, well, pre-COVID, um, you know, I, I was part of a, a pop-up called H-Bar. Mm-hmm. Um, it was me and two other partners, and, and we kind of took different spaces and turned them into cocktail bars for a night. You know, we put together a menu, we lit a bunch of candles. We told everybody to dress fancy and you know, which works so well, dim the lights, yeah, bunch of candles and uh, some fancy cocktails. This, that's it. You uh, know, it, back in the room. <laughs> it, it was, it was a moment. Um, we had a really good run. We did it for about three years and then, um, COVID came around and it kind of shuffled things up for us. You know, we were planning a bunch of stuff mm. um, and everything kind of got put on pause. And, you know, one of our partners moved down to Texas and the other one has kind of shifted career fields altogether. I think he's doing digital marketing now. Um, I thought you were going to say real estate. That's a, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> that That is a common shift. Oh, God, it's such so a common shift. Yeah. It happens all the time. So many people doing real estate. Bartender, I mean, ambassador, distributor, rep. Real, real estate. estate. Yeah. So shout out to all the homies, you know, moving those dollars via property. <laughs> <laughs> so were you, were you doing these, like, were these like kind of speakeasy pop-ups or would you advertise them a, a long time in advance? Like, oh, we're doing the H bar and it's going to be a month time at this venue sort of thing. Um, a little bit of both. Uh, you know, we would try to kind of get the word out to, to build a buzz around each event. Um, but we did keep the locations private until the day of. Um, nice. That's cool. And, and the, the kind of, the thought process around it kind of changed because we started off doing private residences as you know, yeah. th- those are always our venue, you know, H bar kind of stood for uh home bar. Yeah. House bar. Um, and as it grew, that just wasn't practical anymore. You know, we would have 60 people in, you know, somebody's loft and the AC couldn't keep up. And <laughs> we, <I> bet. <laughs> we, we had to Let's do it down here. We had to rethink, you know, our logistics. And that's when we kind of, you know, started exploring other spaces. You know, we've done, uh, art galleries, coffee shops. Uh, I was hopeful that we could pop up at a movie theater or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, honestly, the more unique the space, the, the better the opportunity. 
Um, but since the other two partners, you know, are off doing other stuff now, I, I felt this itching need, you know, obviously I can't sit still. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I need to rebrand, but, but try to keep the torch lit. Um, so I started a, a new concept called Dabney and Bullock. Um, we did our first, uh, event, uh, this past February on Valentine's day and I'm aiming to, to bring another one to fruition, uh, next month. Um, location TBD, uh, we're still kind of ironing out some of the details, but now that I've got this time to kind of Mm. put into this, I think I'm going to go all in and, and really try to make this next one special. How do you plot these out? Where do you begin with that? Uh, Honestly, it's just through kind of talking to some of the homies, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I know that it's always in the back of my mind as something that I want to kind of continue and, and see forward. Um, and if, you know, if there's a relationship that I have with, with somebody, you know, in, in the hospitality industry, I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? How, how do you want to be involved in the next one? How can we collaborate, you know, on this? Whether it's a venue, whether it's sponsorship, whether it's, you know, a DJ or, mm-hmm. you know, an artist, somebody that wants to, you know, help me out with an installation or something to, to make the next event interesting. Um and it's through those kind of conversations that the pieces just kind of start to, to fall together. Um, and I always, you know, cross my fingers and hope that I can be like the sealant or the glue that kind of mm-hmm. makes it all cohesive. Um, and so far, so good. Um, but since the, the Dabney and Bullock project is relatively new, I think there's still a lot of room for us to grow concept wise. Um, you know, I think we started off pretty loosely uh, on our first event and, and I'm excited to see how it kind of organically dials in mm-hmm. over the next, um, couple of events. You know, I'm looking to incorporate more food. Um, I would love to bring natural wine into the mix. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that it has the potential to be so much more than a cocktail event. Um, and I think that kind of organic collaboration, you know, and conversations with other people throughout the industry really kind of bring it to life on its own you know it's it's very little that that i have to do actually when it when it comes down to it uh so i should probably shut up about that part now <laughs> <laughs> I don't, i'm not sure how that's project true. management lots <laughs> right 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 no i think it's interesting because uh obviously you've been doing these for a while and bringing in those spaces all part of chicago i think it's really cool to see how people can see chicago from a different point of view when having a cocktail and having a drink um or if it's in an art gallery if it's in a bar if it's in a loft without ac yeah man i mean it can get sweaty or it can be cool do you do you, is it usually only chicago natives that come to it do you find that tourists find out about these things through friends that are visiting um i think the majority of <clears throat> our patronage i guess we'll we'll say Mm -hmm. is is local chicagoans um you know because we don't do a whole lot of marketing it it usually does kind of grow through word of mouth you know we'll have a couple of people or a couple will you know come in and they'll say oh this was great you know i want to follow along with this and see how it grows and then they'll come to the next event and bring a couple of people Mm -hmm. and then those people will ideally bring a couple more people to the next event um so without any marketing budget, you know, we have kind of relied on that for growth. Um, and, and I'm interested to see the growth with this new concept. And, and if that same kind of organic word of mouth, um, trajectory is, is still feasible. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But I would love to see, you know, some out-of-towners just kind of stumble yeah. upon it or, you know, go into Cindy's and maybe one of their bartenders will tell them about it and they'll just kind of pop in from, you know, Arkansas or wherever <laughs> they're from. Um, I, I would love for it to be... I would love to not know everybody in the room. Right. You know, yeah. I, I, I think that is the goal. Um, but yeah. how we get there, um, TBD. Yeah, because it's always interesting when you go to these whiskey events across various cities um, for our jobs. We keep running into the same people. Mm. But it's more better when you run into new people. Oh, yeah. It's always a better conversation. Not, I shouldn't say always better conversation, but it just it brings a whole a new life. Yeah. It's a different one, for sure. Um, I'm thinking more just basically in Chicago because it's nice when you're visiting markets for you know an ambassador's job and people recognize you from your previous visits but when you've been doing this now for eight nine ten years in chicago you're like seeing the same faces at every whiskey event but when you go to an event and you're having brand new conversation with brand new faces that's where you think okay this investment is turning out for the brands turning out for us and you're just how you're going to create new people towards whatever whiskey you're pouring whatever spirit you're pouring but it also kind of generates regenerates life inside of you when you're not just having the same conversations over and over again yeah it would be awesome to see if you could uh, those people could filter through everything they just read on Yelp and find something <laughs> find something different. I think that what you said is really important in that you have to collaborate right with yeah. other industries because yeah. if you're just running a cocktail event, unfortunately, like it's a both in a good and a bad thing. But you're only going to really cater to the people that are cl- like clocked into those events, right. the cocktail scene. However, if you collaborate with an artist say a young woman comes in and does a does a pin-up for you or whatever it is, uh, or a chef, hmm. right? You immediately get access to those circles and that's the best way to grow, right? Is constant, constantly collaborating with people from different circles. And natural growth on a budget too. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think the big thing for us, and obviously I'm not a brand ambassador anymore. Well, um, well calm down. <laughs> I'm not, I'm genuinely not. But back Leave, in Leaving the, me in the dust. No, no, no. I'm, I, I'm like, I, I miss it, but... I I think one of the things that I definitely think back on was that the what what made the events really really good. What were the events that I thought that when I when we made when we put, spent money on doing something, what made it different? Mm-hmm. Whiskey X is one that always comes to mind hmm. because, and I think it was because they had a group of people that were into their whiskeys, but then they also had a group of people that came for the live music, um, which was yeah. St Paul and the Broken Bones, and they had another couple of bands kicking about out there. Um, no live music this year yeah no well no live music this year but um, and that always brought in a different crowd hmm. people that were you know who were there for the music but they were like oh there's there's cocktails here or there's whiskey here like I might perfect well, yeah. yeah I might as well speak to this person about it and that was where you could really tap into people that were like you'd be like oh do you like whiskey and a lot of people would say well not really yeah. I'm just here for the music and it's like oh great I've got an opportunity to chat to somebody you yeah. know so it reminds me of the time when we were trying to put a whiskey event together at a music venue Oh my God, that was a, that was a just pre-COVID number as well. Yeah, sure was. It eliminated a lot of things in our life. We were going to do a live podcast whiskey festival at Shuba's. Oh, wow. Yeah, we had it all lined up, ready was to it, go. What is it they call that? Is it Link, Link, Lincoln Hall, is it? Lincoln Hall, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. venue. Which is, have you seen that venue? It's a beautiful venue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Super cool. It's all the same, but we we're going to do that at Shuba's, not Lincoln Hall. Nah, I mean, I, I, I love that idea, but... It obviously was April 2020 that was... Yeah, I think April 4th, 2020 was our date. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. That was never happening. Yeah. I remember people were texting me and emailing me and DMing me like, oh, I'll come, I'll drive in for that. It sounds fun. And, you know, you want to get these whole, like, different clashes of cultures kind of coming together. If they they know you through whiskey, they know you from whatever part of your life, but 
that's a it's always a, a positive thing to have happen when you're throwing events but it's, it's, it's always hard to get people too i mean people are trying pop-up bars and they're not succeeding either or they're maybe a little too ambitious in their approach of making these things and you have to dial it back a little bit and take the first dozen people that want to sign up for it and then kind of grow from there yeah um I'm treading very lightly, <laughs> but, um, you know, so far so good. What have you, what are you guys trying to do differently um, with this concept besides more food? Um, I think with this concept, I want to lean more into, um, existing venues. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think, I think logistically it is just exponentially easier to, to execute, you know, if we throw a bar pop up at a bar or a restaurant, mm-hmm. right. Rather than, you know, trying to haul, a makeshift bar up somebody's four floor walk up. Um, cause that was a thing. Sounds and, stressful. And then taking it all the way back down afterwards was another thing, especially after an event. Oh my God. Screw that. It's uh, rough. You've had a few drinks, you know, you're, you're riding the high and then all of a sudden everyone leaves and you're like, God damn, we got, we got to bring all this shit. Down. I don't know how many yeah. goddamn cities I walked around with a suitcase full of supplies for an event, going back to your hotel after after four hours of talking and standing on your feet, and you're just like, I just want to, I either want to sit at a bar and have a drink and not talk to anybody, or just go sit in my bed in a hotel room. Yeah, one of the two. But so I think I think the biggest part is we're gonna kind of lean into, and potentially advertise some of these collaborations that we're doing to try to tap into, you know, the networks that exist at these bars, you know, and use that as a piece of the collaboration Mm -hmm. rather than, you know, um, a secret kind of, you know, don't tell anybody kind of thing. I mean, I think a part of that has kind of worn out its appeal Mm -hmm. because of COVID maybe because of COVID, but I also think that, just the whole people just want to know now right? yeah, like, yeah quote unquote speakeasy thing I, I think that just as a vibe is has kind of been overdone yeah you know i, I think i think at the end of the day people want to go to a place where they know that the the energy is going to be what they're looking for yeah the, the atmosphere the vibe um you know the food the drink and the hospitality of it at the end of the day i think the whole speakeasy portion of of a lot of what I have seen, um, I'm kind of over it and I don't want to assume that, you know, the general public is over it, but you know, I guess this will be my personal litmus test to, to see if they are. Um, but yeah, we want to kind of lean into it more, um, you know, and kind of say, Hey, this is a Dabney and Bullock and so-and-so venue collaboration, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully grow to the point where we can, pop up at events um across the country you know mm-hmm. different trade shows um i think doing an event at tails or bcb or portland cocktail week would be really cool right um you know i see what josh davis has done with brown and balanced and i don't necessarily want to mirror it um but but i do use it um to see, you know, okay, this is possible. This is something that can be successful. You know, mm-hmm. when you build the right network and you have, um, you know, a concept that works well, um, I think that that is, there is an aspirational part of it. Um, but, you know, I also kind of let the project drive itself. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see where the demand is. We'll see what the feedback is and, and we'll go in that direction, you know. It reminds me a little bit of the ever see so far sound. Yeah. Where like 
people were offering up their houses and mm. an artist would show up and play and then you know they'd have 30 mm. 40 people in there it's a similar concept right where like and that got massive man. yeah i remember the first one i went to for that when i first moved to chicago i went to so far sound and it was like in like a like a small movie theater mm. you know and like there was just a guy on the stage playing guitar and it was superb like the music was brilliant yeah but you know it was a bunch of people that i'd never met before and it was cool so yeah i think there's definitely there's scope for that if that's because people are looking for that kind of thing you know they want these intimate exclusive experiences yeah um yeah i think the lure of uh like you're talking about speakeasies has worn off because our our culture has grown as whiskey and spirits in general have grown and cultivated much more of a of a great taste to it um we're more experienced drinkers we can go go have good drinks in any part of this city um and every city pretty much across the entire yeah. entire united mm-hmm. states i mean you can go to a small town a small city and there's like four five good cocktail bars there yeah it, well, that way people just want to show up they'll, they'll give you your money like i'm here for the experience you don't have to hide it from me um i know i'm kind of tired of it personally too i was standing outside of a bar in new york a few months ago that was a speakeasy i'm like i think i'm here is this the right ice cream shop you stand in front of or whatever coffee bar it is now because right. it changes and you're like, or it was an ice cream shop the last time I was here to get inside of. I'm like, That's that. was it a coffee shop though? But yeah, that mentality I think is just adjusted as we've, uh, over the last decade or so, we've become more accustomed to having good drinks and people know like, hey, I'm, I'm here to have a good time. I'll put my money down. Just be there for me, you know, yeah. be that person behind the bar that's reliable. So I think uh, it'd be a great way to do it. Is there... Um, is there a possible way of like incorporating what you're doing with these camping sites into doing what you're doing with pop-ups? Um, you know, I've thought about that and I can't say that there has been like an obvious crossover opportunity. Yeah. Um, but it is something that me and the chef have talked about. Um, I think that that is something that I would love to happen you yeah. know whether it's just you know him coming out to chicago and and being you know one of the the guest collaborators of of one of our events um or opposite you know they're based out of portland you know it could be something where me and him doing an event in in portland um i think that there is definitely room for some sort of crossover but is it something that we have like ironed out i think we're still in like the brainstorming phase you know, just kind of shooting ideas back and forth. Um, but I'm excited to see what sticks because mm. I am confident that something, <laughs> yeah. something will stick. I think I see like a Camp Wandoiga up in uh, Wisconsin would be an awesome site. Oh, yeah. To be like, oh, hey, come here on a Friday night at like 6 p.m. in the fall where it's still nice outside but brisk enough to hang out. Yeah. And, like get your teepee. We'll set you up. Have an awesome time. And they have the Drinks, facility. Food, yeah. Music. Yeah. Could be done. How, how does it work with Camp Yoshi then? Do people, do people like, is it the same people you see every time or do, you, is there a website and people go on and they buy a ticket? Yeah, basically it's a, it's a website, um, campyoshi.com and you can kind of choose from the available dates and locations um, and you buy kind of like, it's, it's a package deal, you right. know, mm-hmm. you just kind of show up ready to camp. Included, yeah um you know obviously we'll send you like a packing list like Mm. you should have some hiking boots you should have a blanket you should have these kind of you know necessities extra underwear definitely please please. we never Um, know what happens with the food guys so (laughs) extra space 
I just thought maybe the cold, wet weather potentially. <laughs> but but we'll like bring the tents and the sleeping bags and oh. the tarps and the tables and the chairs and we'll show you how to set everything up. It's it's kind of like um, we empower people who aren't necessarily familiar with actual camping. Yeah, and we kind of show you the the bare bones of like this is how you start a fire. This is the best way to scavenge wood. This is how you tell oh. wood that's gonna light up and just smoke out your whole campsite versus wood that's gonna you know actually do you a service um it's like the boy scouts but with booze great food and you're older yeah ideal it's if i would have joined that boy scouts i would have gotten kicked out it's great (laughs) yeah exactly there was booze and good food i would have been sorry yeah they threw me out early on Uh, i can only imagine Mm. but it's it's been a really cool ride to be on. Um, I know that they're out in Africa right now, scouting out new locations. Um, yeah, they're in Tanzania and Senegal. Wow. I may be wrong about Senegal. Safari and cocktails. Tanzania. Um, Just to connect with local markets or to bring Americans over there to bring, I mean, right now it's the chef and a couple of his like, close homies i know his wife's out there and and one of his boys from school and i think they're just kind of gathering intel you know because to bring any operation like ours hell even to oregon or utah i mean you got to have some kind of local connection you know because we go to these amazing sites that are not yeah yeah, they're kind of like the hidden gems of you know whatever area we're in whether it's moab or sedona or you know they're they're places that people know about but rashad he's the 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 head chef he he has been there and he scouted it you know with his brother and they've kind of picked out like all right this is where we want to be and if we can't get there we've got a plan b over here and both of them are like super secluded, kind of just like chill places that have ridiculous views and mm-hmm. still like accessible, you know, if we need yeah. to make a run to get supplies. So planning out those kind of logistics, you're going to need to make a couple of trips ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. No, I, I definitely know that because I used to do a lot more hiking and camping and traveling mostly in the west of the United States. And you're never too far away from anything, mm. which is comforting. But there's also that feeling that you want to be a little bit lost. And with this, it sounds like you can be that way because you guys take care of everything. And that way that it's almost insulated in the fact that you just show up, know you're going to have a good time, yeah. be everything that's going to be provided and prepared for you, which is great. But also kind of know you're going to learn a lot of things along the way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still camping. You know, if, if it starts raining sideways. <laughs> you fucked. We're, we're out there. And yeah. It, and, it's, and, it's, and it's raining sideways now. Right. Um, so we try to give people the awareness of what it is and what it isn't, because I think the expectation can really dictate whether you have a good time or not, whether mm. this is the kind of experience for you, because <laughs> every now and then there's, you know, we'll, we'll get a camper that's like, I got to do what? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, well, Welcome. Yeah. yeah. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of camping. You know, this, this is we we out here right so how does that work for you then because you you obviously do the drinks while you're there yeah so what do you do do you batch them or do you or do you have like a little makeshift bar that you sort of piece together um a little bit of both but not so much i mean i I usually try to bring a bunch of stuff that i can use in multiple ways right you know um we don't do a whole lot of batching because it really each group is different. You know, we'll have a group and they will drink their faces off. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have a different group that's like, no, you know, I'm 
more in tune with being up at 6.30 in the morning and going for a meditation, mm-hmm. you know. And Antoine is, is one of our camp gurus, and he leads meditations every morning, and damn, it's like an experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, Especially when you're out there in the Moab or you're on – you're in Zion or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. So so I try to bring a bunch of stuff that I can use in multiple ways. I can make a couple of classics. You know, I can bring something like cool as shit. So I can be like, you know, hit them with a little bit of wow factor. Like this is not, you know, your regular beer and margarita, you know, yeah. at camp. Um, I bring all my own tools and we kind of just set it up and make it work i mean that's part of camping is just like all right what do we have what do you have Yeah. how do we make it work yeah and when it comes to to drinks i'd like to think i'm pretty good at that (laughs) (laughs) okay uh is it mostly industry people that come on these trips or not at all no oh no um it is i mean we actively market to people of color um you know we we try to make it uh somewhat of a reclamation of of outdoor spaces because Uh you know even in talking with rashad you know he's like yeah man a lot of these locations are like hella gate kept like yeah yeah. these people don't want to tell us about this they don't want us to be out here they don't expect us to take care of the land and take care of the spaces um you know so we we try to pass that along to anybody who comes like hey this is like a special setting, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, we get no industry folk, to be honest. I mean, we get a lot of, just based on the price point, to be honest, I think we get a lot of, um, I would say our demographic is 30 to 55, probably 35 to 55. Mm-hmm. And it skews heavily female. Huh. Um, More affluent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's and it's wild. We get uh, a couple. We get a good mix of people who have like a lot of camping experience, right. okay. and you know some people who've been like ah, sleeping outside. What? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Why? Um, and I think that's also a part about you know what makes it special is that you get a bunch of people from a bunch of different backgrounds, and you sit them around a campfire with a drink and some Love food that. and. It can go any which way, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think that those moments have been my favorite. You know, you just mm-hmm. kind of getting to know one another, chopping it up. Um, you Run know, the fire. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is is what makes it the most special for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because yes, sure, we have like a certain demographic, but even within that, you know, people are coming from all over the place. Yeah. No, it's it's amazing when you can share those basics essentials of life essentially mm-hmm. um with somebody else i did that with a friend when i like a seven day camping trip and he had never been camping i didn't know this before we went oh wow but, <laughs> oh wow no it was fine he's a very adaptable human being very intelligent guy but i taught him how to make a fire and he's 28 years old maybe i don't know 27 at the time and you're like oh you don't ever talk to make a fire like here you go like let's let's do this and he shows you the basics like we're not gonna die obviously you could go sleep in your car or run down run down 20 miles to the nearest hotel if we really had to yeah but at the same time to be able to share those experiences with people all over a few high lives or god yeah. what knows what else we had in our our backpacks too um it's an amazing experience and then being outdoors it's so much it's amazing how still life can be but at the same time how active and 
voluminous it is it is as well when you're not in a city and you're just completely surrounded by i didn't know last night sirens for four or five hours in our neighborhood with pride parade around here oh yeah yeah didn't even notice it till like all of a sudden 10 o'clock at night like wow there's been sirens for like two straight hours and you just going don't even think about it it just turns into white noise after a while gunshots you know and easily yeah and my wife's like you didn't hear that i'm like no i've passed out but when you get outside into and into nature and you feel a different pulse, but at the same time it's completely active with with everything that surrounds it in there. But it's also nourishing and comforting, and it brings you down like a meditative state for me oh, yeah. personally. The silence is loud, very much. Oh yeah, my yeah. god! Yeah, it's always, always active around there. It's like oh, not even at night because all those critters come out. They're nocturnal. <laughs> it's perspective as well. Eh? Like right. when you're out there. You know, and you're in the Moab or whatever it is, or you're in Oregon, right? Like mm-hmm. you get that, you get that feeling of like, wow, like nothing, nothing that I worry about is actually that important. You know, it gives you perspective. Oh yeah, I think it sounds like a really cool concept. We'll need to check it out, and maybe we could go in. You could buy me a ticket. Uh, we'll see. We'll have to see. I'll pay for your plane fight and Everton game if you pay for my camping trip. <laughs> we're we're negotiating already, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I love it. Oh. Uh, no, but like, where does all this ambition come from to be reaching your hand in so many different corners? Oh God, I don't know. Um, you're you're a Chicago native. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes and no. Um, I I grew up in Chicago, um, but I left Chicago uh, right right as I got into high school. I mm. feel like when people give you the Chicago native question, you know, it's always followed oh, by, yeah, yeah. where'd you go to high school? So I always, yes and no. How long you lived here? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I bounced around the East Coast for a while after after uh, I left Chicago. Um, I was living in Pennsylvania right outside of Philly. And my parents are still out there now, but I've been back in Chicago now for, God, I don't even remember. How old am I? I don't know. We don't know. Uh, eight years, maybe. Okay. I've been back in Chicago now. Um, where does it come from? Is Honestly, it- I, if we're being transparent, I think it's like feelings of inadequacy. Mm. You know, like the whole imposter syndrome yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, like I didn't finish college, you know, and, and I always like both of my parents are college educated. So they were just like, this is something that, you know. This is a box you need to check. Yeah. What did you do at college? Uh, fucked off. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you go? Smoked yeah. a lot of weed. No. Yeah. Um, I went to community college um, right out where I was in Pennsylvania. Okay. And, you know, I was studying marketing and I was just like, this is just not it. Isn't it funny me. how, like, nowadays, everybody's like, yeah, why would you do this? I applaud you for, like, leaving it. Yeah, and and... You know, back then, it was just like, this is necessary for yep. you to succeed in life. Uh-huh. And, you know, like, I, like, took that. And, and when I decided not to continue, um, a big blow. I could tell that my parents were just, dis- I don't want to say disappointed, but I think surprised. That that's the word. I, I'm just going to say disappointed. They, they, were, they were maybe disappointed, not in you, but like in the fact that you weren't going right, to finish. Right, right. The you social know, norm they, of it they, all. they have always been, you know, super supportive, you know, about any decision that I made, but I know that in their like mental trajectory for, you know, my sister and I, they were just like, college is mm-hmm. a thing and then they're going to go off and, and do whatever. But I was just like, fuck that shit. 
Um, what do they think about now? Like when they look, you know, when they, we, what are we talking about? You said it was eight years ago, maybe when you left high school, yeah, or whenever it was. Um, I I think, I mean, we've had lots of conversation, you know, since then, and you know, they are just like, I I know now, mm-hmm. you know, I get it. Um, yeah, and they, my mom had had this. Uh, I think she had wrote something on Facebook because my mom is like she she blogs a lot now that she she's unable to work, um, and she was like, man, you know, if fifteen years ago, I could have just told myself to just not worry, mm-hmm. the kids will be fine, mm-hmm. you know, because like I'm my parents' firstborn, mm-hmm. so I kind of expected what i got yeah. yeah to an extent you know um the first one's always a shit show <laughs> oh man it my sister you're welcome if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> um but no i i think it 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 kind of comes from that you know a feeling that i have to prove to myself um but not not to my parents or to anybody else but you know I think I, I have this, it's, it's a complex, you know, me weighing what success looks like to, you know, what mm-hmm. I see my peers doing and, and what I want to see myself doing, um, you know, constantly being active and constantly, it's probably unhealthy. I'm almost certain it is. I don't think so, man. I don't, I don't know. I, I think having that ambition based upon your competitiveness and your, your drive within yourself, think of the opposite of that would you want to be sitting in that situation yeah, it, it could be worse <laughs> i mean i mean it's not it's not one or zero though is it like it's not like right it's not like if you weren't like this then you would be the opposite but maybe there is maybe there's times when like your girlfriend says you just need to sit your ass down yeah you know because it, you could like burnout's a thing and all that sort of stuff yeah. is you know those are things especially in this industry like i think we get carried away a lot especially brand ambassadors i think get carried away a lot because you can be on a 8, 9 a.m. call and it's not random. It's not rare for you to be out until 11, 12 o'clock at night. And you do forget that if you're just occupying your mind with work all the time, mm-hmm. it is going to weigh you down. You yeah. Know? Um, I'm intentionally trying to, to bring more balance <laughs> into my world. Um, but I think it's, it's definitely something that I'm going to have to chip away at. I, I know how I'm wired, mm-hmm. you know, up until this point. Um, and habits and all these things. Yeah, that's just, yeah. I can't help it. Yeah, you know, um, but it's it's something that I am at least now consciously aware of. Yeah. You know, and I have you know uh, a partner to kind of give me that feedback. She's like, "Hey, it's important. You're it's doing the most. Yeah. You're still killing it, but you're doing the most." Right. <laughs> I want. I wonder if then, like, maybe that's one of the things with Camp Yoshi. Maybe that's why you fell in love with it, though, is because it does give you that downtime where you're mm. like, you make a couple of drinks by the fire, everybody's yeah. sitting around, and you you're not in the city. You're not listening to sirens until two o'clock yeah. in the morning, and it does kind of bring you back to like, yeah, sort of sit like center you, it's, especially if you're it's doing a meditations reset. and stuff. You know? Yeah, it's it's definitely a reset. Um, I. I wish I could call it downtime. <laughs> it's I, not, I, I don't want to go that far, but um, but the chaos is canceled out at least. It's it's nice to just not 
be in you know sensory overload right. all the time yeah. you know and i think that's where i find myself most of my days um so to be out in the middle of nowhere with no cell service and just <laughs> the people around me um i think that lends itself greatly into just a unplug a decompress you know even if i am still you know running around trying to find the lemon juice <laughs> <laughs> in that. Uh, when you left college, what did you do first? Did you go into the bar industry? Um, I mean, the the bar industry and hospitality has kind of been the common denominator since I was of working age, you know. Um, so I've been people facing, I guess, since I was 15, wow. you know. Um, and I think that me being able to see what, laid beyond as far as the possibilities for hospitality, I think gave me the confidence to say, okay, I don't need this marketing shit. <laughs> now, mind you, if I had it, would I have a, I, I, I don't know. Would it be any different? Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Would, would it be any different? I'm not sure because I still find myself in marketing spaces, you know, working with marketing professionals who yeah. have their degrees. Right. And, you know, it's, I could, you know, circle the wagons for the rest of my life on what if, um, but I think hospitality and, you know, food and beverage kind of, I knew I had that foundation yeah. mm. and I think seeing people turn it into careers, um, because, you know, that's not what I saw. That's not what I knew. Right. You know, I think and your parents probably weren't showing you that either. You no, know I mean? not they at all. They didn't even know. Yeah, right you know, they they don't come from you know a hospitality background, um, so I think that they were also kind of unaware of what the potentials were, and also probably looking at me like, yeah, all right, you gonna be doing this for another twenty years? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't trust me either back right, then. Right. Um, no, I think a diploma is just a barrier to entry for a lot of things. Doesn't yeah. there's other ways of entering into market? I think we're we're all so focused on what the social norm has been for the last you know how many decades mm-hmm. when it comes to graduating high school, graduating college, work, entering the workforce. But there's so many other methods around that now yeah. to enter whatever job market you want to do. And experience is the best way of getting it. How many times have you know even told in life, well, you don't know experience in life. Well, how do I get that experience? Exactly. Go right into it. Yeah. And and I think that there is more fluidity in the workplace now yeah. than there ever has been before. I think people are now starting to see the value of actual experience and different perspectives. You know, if you only hire people who come from these institutions, then you're only going to get brains that think this way. Absolutely. And a lot of the time that's not who you're catering to or selling to or hosting or communicating with. Um, so I think people appreciating the value of a, a different composition of employee, um, has really kind of helped open the doors to pathways like mine. Mm-hmm. No, I agree hundred percent on that. Cause you know, I, I think about it all the time where, okay, I went to four years of college graduated with a journalism degree in 2009 when magazines and newspapers were crashing like crazy and there's no there was no entry there's no education on oh how do we adapt to the online space when literally everything is folding 
right around you and also everything is developing around you into this online virtual space and you'd have these guest speakers come in and be like oh we started this blog and you're like okay well how do you gain a following a blog and make it start a blog but how do you gain a following how do you market towards that right and there's this whole this whole uh arena this whole space of news was completely collapsing and developing into a whole new thing what do i really need that and then i was just like okay i'm gonna go work in an art gallery for a year in santa fe new mexico after i graduated <laughs> and did that and kind of sold art but you use these i learned things in college but it helps you a lot but i also learned a lot by working retail working with people uh talking to people that are much more older than you. They have these experiences built around them. I don't know if you get that in an office space, essentially, yeah. where you're like, oh, cool, yeah. Then I had a fortunate opportunity of traveling the country for another job, and you get to meet all people from across every walk of life. And you kind of realize people aren't that different, but there's nuances in every little pocket of this country that are very different. But at the same time, we're just people and want to enter that. Yeah. We're just want to have a conversation, like you said, and bringing these people's, people from all walks of life into these camping spaces, that's pretty cool to have that where you can actually have conversations one-on-one versus these little vignettes of life where you're floating in between in and out uh, working behind a bar going to an event sitting at a bar and talking to a bartender and then going on to the next space yeah there's so many ways of having communications with people like on a podcast but uh <laughs> but we, we take for granted i think that people are People can be self-educated. People can be talented just because they don't have a piece of paper or don't didn't walk down the certain path of life that they should be ignored. It's just it's the wrong approach. Seems like you have something to say. No, I mean I agree. You know I think that uh, universities definitely been overhyped, but I think we've I think it's gone the other way. It's going the other way now, where people are like, look, man, just there's loads of trade jobs. Like you don't need to have a university yeah. degree to make yeah. a lot of money or to be successful, right? Um, but I'm, I'm I'm happy to hear that your mom and dad now like are like, oh actually we should have trusted you. You made it work. Like you're <laughs> yeah. a hustler, you know. Like I mean, but the jury's still out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Until the next job. Yeah, right. Did they come to the, like for Edda, for example? Did they come there and see the spaces? Not not too much. I mean, um, they they still live out in Pennsylvania now. Yeah. Um, and my mom's mobility is pretty low. She's mm. got MS, um, so she doesn't get to travel as much and. You know, my dad, he's working around the clock. You know, I think he his mind kind of works like, yeah, yeah. like mine. Um, so I, I try to get him out here as, as often as possible. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I, I send them everything. Yeah. You know, whether it's me in New York doing something or me in, <laughs> in fucking Utah doing something. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, hey, this is what I'm doing this week. It's Be proud of me. Right. <laughs> and it's the beauty of social media that they can see yeah, that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think we're all three people that don't really talk about what we accomplish in life to others. Mm. Um, you know, in things that happened to me in a professional experience, I think my family only finds out about it because of social media. If, like, I post it or get tagged in something and repost it, and then you talk to your mom next week, like, oh, wow, that was a really cool experience. Like, how did you know about that? <laughs> like, you creeping uh, on me? Yeah. <laughs> get out of here, Jules. God damn it. No, I think it's it's so interesting that how the hospitality space has become a place of professionalism for so many people and a career for so many people. I don't, I, I mean, my family, on my mom's side, are in a restaurant. This is a small little diner in a small town in western Iowa for, 
I don't know, like 50, 60 years. And that was their experience because they owned it. Like that was their professional experience. Mm. But I don't think any of the waiters or cooks in the back made it a professional experience. But right. now today is you can go into a bar. You can be a bartender. You can be bartending not just in a bar, but in a campground, on the virtual space, doing so many different things and giving yeah. us so much of an opportunity and gaining this audience all across the country, all across the world where you're invited to really unique experiences. And it's only through social media, I think, that people of the older generation can understand that when they see you posting in different places. Yeah, I mean, but even not just the older generation, hell, my generation, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm still amazed at, at how I've seen this career field expand and the possibilities, you know, that, that are kind of being laid out to, to people who are, you know, out there getting it. Um, it's wild, yeah. you know, hell, when I was coming up, I was like, ah, I mean, bartender, that sounds cool. <laughs> Talk to girls. But I mean, other than that, you know, I, I didn't have the awareness. So I think that it is changing across the board, you know, not just with the older generation, but with my generation, I still think that there are people my age and younger that have no idea, mm -hmm. you know, what the possibilities are. And, mm -hmm. and I only hope to, you know, be a piece of that. Like, Hey, this is a thing. It's not just, you know, what you see. There's so much more right. that, that is possible. There's not one direction to go down either. Yeah. I mean, you could work at so many different places. You could work at three different bars at one time um, and get those different experiences. Working at a dive bar, working at a fancy cocktail bar where you got to wear a shirt and tie, and then just kind of going off to your neighborhood bar too as well, and that kind of get the, the molding or the melding of both of those worlds to it. What advice would you have for somebody who's entering the hospitality space? Talk to everybody you can. Mm. I mean, I think... I mean, there's so many like cliche things that you could say to answer this question, but, yeah. but at the end of the day, I think that being a positive uh, person within someone else's network mm. is huge. Um, so I think if you can just remain a positive person and connect with as many people as possible, ask as many questions as possible, say hello to as many people as possible um being kind people too yeah, yeah you know and just being remembered as a positive i mean no you don't have to be you know like a smiley you know <laughs> grow your hair out I've, I've learned it works really well yeah people people recognize you that way <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> uh, no it's so important i think to say you seem like a person was probably saying yes a lot early on to yeah, everything yeah trying there, those new experiences there, there was a time yeah yeah and and i feel like as much as I hate to say it, I think that there is, and I think that that comes in a lot of career fields where, you know, you're, you're just taking on a lot to a find out where your passions lie within a certain lane. Mm -hmm. Um, but also to kind of prove yourself, you know, um, as somebody that is up and coming and trying to learn the ropes and, and, and gain more experience. Um, and ideally you get to a place where you can be more selective right you know and you can say okay well i'm only doing the shit i want to do now and you have enough experience at that point to kind of be able to have that clout in your in your corner um but yeah advice say what's up to everybody mm -hmm. you know if they're not in your circle if they are in your circle if they're in your friend's circle if they're in 
three circles over. <laughs> you know, I think I think networking is is a big big part of it. Yeah, I agree. What brought you back to Chicago? I mean, it's Chicago. Uh, Duh. Duh. <laughs> I love it out here. I yeah. do love it out here, man. Duh. Yeah. Because um, like eight years ago, that's when everything was like just popping in the cocktail bar scene. It got its footing. The foundation was definitely built, yeah. but it was uh, it was getting going then. Honestly, it I, it was, um, and it was weird because I left Chicago at such a pivotal time in my life. Coming back to Chicago, it was like re-experiencing a new city almost, yeah. you know, because when I was a kid, you know, like I knew my neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, um, I knew my homies that I that I kicked it with. Um, but coming back into Chicago with a, you know, hospitality focus um, and, and kind of putting that against my experience as a kid, it was just like, well... Yeah, this is familiar, but it is very, very different. Right. Um, so I was excited to kind of rediscover, you know, a place that I had called home. Um, and, you know, for me, it was either Chicago or New York. And, mm. you know, I was like, all right, well, I would like to save some money at some point. So. <laughs> yeah. It's so, only getting worse there now. Yeah. yeah. So, you Love know, that story. Chicago it was. And, you know. I don't regret it. Not not a drip. Was there a certain um, bar or like restaurant that, or just that whole that whole scene that dragged you back here? Um, yeah, there were a couple of places that were on my list. Like when I came back to Chicago, you know, I had like a short list, and I was like, oh, I would love to work at one of these places. Yeah. Um, but at the time, I didn't have you know, the experience to, to get hired at those places. And, and as I started to build more experience, I quickly learned that I didn't want to work at those places. Mm. Um, there you go. and, and I think that that kind of is a part of me figuring out, you know, where my lane was, what, what style of service that I enjoyed and, mm. and how I like to in, engage with the general public. Yeah. What was your first job back here? Ooh, uh, I opened up a spot that is now closed called Imperial Lamian. Huh. It was um, don't know that one. A really food focused. It was like a high end um, Asian sushi place. No, it was more Chinese. Okay. Uh, it was on Hubbard and State, uh, right across from Mother Hubbard's. I think yeah, yeah. It, it was. Um, so I opened that place, and the food was amazing. For a little while and then like they had opened up they had like three master chefs from asia they like went all came out with oh it. i know what place you're talking about yeah, yeah. I remember this. the, the building is beautiful the, too oh, yeah. it was a yeah. beautiful space they yeah. put a lot of money into it um i know overseas the company that owned that place had a lot of weight behind them and this was supposed to be their like flagship of their mm. american expansion when did that shot Ooh. Right, maybe shortly before COVID. I, I think, think I think I've eaten there. I yeah. think I ate there one time. Yeah, I remember right now. Yeah, and yeah. when when they opened up, I was like, "Damn, this is the food was just outstanding." Um, but I think as the reality of operating on that corner mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> set in, and also the American expectation for how much they should pay for Chinese food. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think that kind of took a toll. Yeah, fall through so many things. I mean, Mexican food as well. It, yeah, yeah, it's just this weird American undervaluation of shit, and it's just 
wild. I think I saw a meme today about um, a European chef like honing in some crafted technique and, you know, using it to prove European superiority and then going down to Chinatown and seeing some guy do it, selling it for a dollar, smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I I think that kind of had a a bit to do with their downfall, but that was a place that I really kind of got to dig into a little bit, you know, when it came to opening a place, when it came to doing a cocktail program. Ordering um, and inventory, all that sort of stuff. Oh, no, I didn't do that there. (laughs) God, no. (laughs) Um, But it, it was... It was my first time being able to, you know, bang it out mm-hmm. in downtown Chicago, you know, and that was like, all right, well, I'm back here. I, I better be downtown. You yeah. know, that was my thought process at yeah. the time. Um, and that also kind of gave me the opportunity to, to bounce into, you know, my other jobs after the fact that they really kind of helped me grow at each step. Hmm. When did the... Did you start doing cocktails there, or is that back in Pennsylvania? No, cocktails was there. Um, back in Pennsylvania, I think my cocktail work was mostly just me, yeah. just kind of being a nerd about it. It right. was something that I wanted to do. You know, like I, I was working at a brewery at the time, hmm. um, and I was like, we need a cocktail program. And they were like, are you dumb? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, we, we're going to do it. Uh so me and um, another guy who I think now lives in Vegas um, kind of put t- together a cocktail um, program for this brewery. And I won my first cocktail competition while working for this brewery. Um, and it was weird. I was just like, ah, see, I told you. And it's a brewery at the right. end of the day. Um, yeah, they were like, shop, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, like, we don't yeah, need a cocktail over here. Whatever you say. <laughs> Beer cocktails. Yeah. Um, but I think that was the first place that kind of let me flex a little bit Okay. as, as misplaced as it was, you know, uh, but nowadays it's like, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, but so, who so yeah, who would have foresaw that though? Like how now breweries have become Michelin star restaurants and places to go have food, not just your neighborhood pub that has a local beer. It's now, yeah, now it's a whole experience. Mm. The game is changing across the board every day. I feel like, yeah. Cause 2014, I feel like Chicago was definitely in a good place of cocktail scene. Uh, the food culture was definitely developed over the last, you know, five, six years from then. Um, and people were starting to go you make a neighborhood your destination for the night. You go out, like if you're in Lakeview where we are right now, you go over to Wicker Park and spend a night by going to a couple bars, having dinner somewhere. Mm-hmm. You pick out in a spot to go to. Which I don't know if people were floating around neighborhoods as much, let's say, five, six years before that. Um, but it's it's amazing how this whole city caught on pace of cocktails, beer, food. This whole culture started developing around it then. And we wanted like a taste for everything that was a little bit different, a little bit unique. Starting to want to spend money on each night you went out and not worrying about, hey, if this is too much because I had a good experience. And now I think we're really there. Even though we're coming out of COVID too or people you know had some hard times. If I can go to this place, I'm willing to put down the money and spend – whatever for this experience i'm going i'm coming here for an exact experience yeah. and you know edda was definitely is definitely that way when you're coming to have a cocktail coming to have great food the duck oh the duck it's the yes. ricotta pillows man i was obsessed with those things oh yeah. but i think it's it's really interesting to see like you know somebody who took a different path towards everything the same way 
your parents are constantly worrying about you. Like, where are you living these days? Yeah. What are you doing? Said, Mom, I'm good. Yeah, okay. yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm paying my rent. I'm not the brewer anymore, Mom. Putting some money in the bank. Um, but you're like, you know, in it's it's awesome to have that behind you, that support behind you. If you don't even know it, don't even feel it because it's always there. Not in not in a safety kind of way. It's like mm. a parachute, but just knowing that there's like always love behind you. It, yeah. it helps you kind of push on and go through all that. At least I did personally. And then to see like, hey, you're running like a Bib Grimond restaurant. You're running two locations and doing Dude, all I this. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when we got that recognition, I was just like, what? I didn't even see it. Somebody had like congratulated me and I was like, for what? what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it was weird because it just like came and went and I was like, yo, we should like take a minute. Yeah. Right. This is, this is like. Because we don't do that enough. This is noteworthy. Yeah, I can tell him, like, obviously with your personality and knowing you for a bit, it's like, oh, you don't, you don't sit back and, like, actually smell the roses. You And you should. It's And we don't obviously get into this um, this profession to win awards, but the validation that you're doing something correct, doing something right, that people are really enjoying and recognizing, that's always fun to have. It's fun. It's it's a, it's a nice pat on the back, I'll put it that way. Yeah. But, um, yeah, where do, where, where do you think um, – actually, one question I had for you. Um, you kind of mentioned it earlier about how there's all these different bartending scenes happening across the country and mm-hmm. doing different weekends and holidays, all that kind of thing, um, popping up everywhere. You know, it started off with the whole bartenders weekend in San Diego and I think people are kind of taking that own, po- own focus and with tails and everything leading the way too. could Chicago be immersed in that? Could we have our own cocktail bartender spirits week, week or weekend? Are we like, are we, I don't want to say inclusive, but are we... Are we ready? <laughs> yeah. Are we too big, maybe? Nah, Spread out? Nah, we're not too big. I think I, we could definitely do it. Um, I think I think it takes the right... Are we like, homogenous enough to do that, I guess? I think it takes the right people organizing, the right motivation. I think Chicago style kind of took a crack at it a yeah. couple years back. Um, that's true, I guess. Yeah. And, and I think that there's definitely space for it within the city, you know, for, you know, a cocktail conference or some kind of convention, something Mm -hmm. that, that is, you know, uh, a national draw. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think it, I think it depends on why. It's a good point. You know, I I think, that's why I I think think the why has to be there. I think. Like okay, it uh, tails already exists. You know, bartenders weekend already exists. Camp Run Amok already exists. Mm-hmm. Portland Cocktail Week already exists. Um, so what about it? You know, what about our draw is going to be different? Right. What What's the point? You know, I think I think that if there is some genuine motivation behind it, um, and consistency and and you know proper organization, hell yeah. I think I, it's like I a whole immersion in Chicago. That. Like, what do we do in Chicago? What's what's different? That's why I thought Chicago during Chicago style lacked. It's like okay, we're sitting at the Ace Hotel for two days. Yeah, but and whatever, it was fine. It was I enjoyed parts of it. I didn't think people were truly there for the right reasons. Kind of like oh my my brand's presenting. I'm out now. Here's like here's yeah. the rest of the time. And that'll happen at various cities, not just Chicago. Not blaming anybody on that, but. Like, how do you actually bring this city as a character into that weekend, into that whole, into that whole experience? I mean, I think that that would be integrated programming. I mean, it, yeah. it can't just be, 
okay, here's a bunch of our shit and seminars and panels. And, and I think Chicago style had so much potential. I was, I was yeah. really kind of disappointed to see them fizzle out in, in the manner that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's so much, obviously whatever it is, is going to happen in the summer. Cause I think there ain't no way yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have hey guys, shit here. Come February, February 1st. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think if you can kind of integrate, you know, whatever is going on with all of the programming that happens on a weekly basis in yeah. Chicago, it's, it's a no brainer. I agree. You know, every week in the summer, there's blues fest, jazz fest, food fest, wicker fest, Logan yeah. fest, yeah. everything fest all the fucking time. People so, don't understand that. Like, we're an outdoor city when it comes to summertime, man. Yeah. Like, you want to be on the street drinking a 312 while listening to a band and shopping for some random t-shirt at a, at a festival. Yeah. I, I think that kind of um, integrated programming would definitely help. Mm. But I don't know. I mean, I've never organized no shit like that. I mean, <laughs> this is just me. I think, like, I think one thing. <laughs> what I think we should do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I, I think there's, like definitely scope for something similar to like restaurant week you know but where we do it across like industry bars or something like that right but as you say i think that it starts with the programming right from the bottom down right like i think we got to go like brown line bar crawl well the 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 thing that i know limited (laughs) when i was when i was uh living in madrid i lived in madrid for a little bit a buddy of mine um he did a, a cocktail passport Mm. Oh, that's cool. um, and like the participating bars would basically just like pull one of the or like stamp your passport right? yeah and it gets you a discount or it gets you a, 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 an exclusive cocktail or whatever I think there's scope for something like that but yeah like I agree I think I, we don't need another Portland or another Tales of the Cocktail or another yeah. PCB here in Chicago you know yeah. it just it feels like it'd be overkill you know more than anything yeah I think it's just, it's a hard it's a hard city to crack when you come in from the outside. Mm. If it, it, I, when you're inside, it's loving. People want to meet you. Not saying we don't include people at all, but if you're coming from a different city, I've talked to many people about this. But like, yeah, it's Chicago is a little bit of a difficult place to kind of move into and start working in this industry. But like, once you get in, it's all good. It's all gravy. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe maybe it's our personality of just that cold weather seven months of the year, <laughs> and you're a little callous and built up from that. Where you're like, yeah, oh, man, you got to earn these summers. You can't just come oh, in and that. kick gotta it. gotta earn these summers. That's what we're going to call it. we got to earn these summers. See the t-shirts That's now. It. <laughs> you can't just come in and kick it. No. What? That's true, though. I mean... Honestly, yeah, that's, that's none that's of this transplant shit. Total, you got to be here. Cal, get the fuck out of here. You got to be... No, no. Hey, look. I've done the winters. I've done the winters. <laughs> and we've had no summer until this year. I've really. earned my stripes. This is my first one, yeah. First open oh, summer. I'm proud of you. How do you Thanks, feel? Man. Good. It's good. It's good. I definitely oh, feel man. lighter for it. I remember just driving down Lakeshore Drive that first summer of COVID. He's like, oh, I can just imagine it now. I'm like, yeah, we're not going to experience that this year. <laughs> like, May. Like, you think in June we'll be open when everything was still shut down on the beach, which was made it so much sense. Um, yeah. I had cops running after me one morning. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, brutal. Don't want to think about those negative times, though, as everything's kind of full force here in Chicago. Um, yeah. it's I don't Full know. force. Ha. Um, what did I say? Is that, a, is that a Star Wars joke? No. Oh. <laughs> oh, I got it now. No, I got it. Um, no. Oh, yeah. It's Chicago. I mean, it's a great city. It's it is tough though in the winter time. Is it tougher running a cocktail program or running a bar program in the winter versus the summer? I mean, obviously getting less tourism. I think people are less out and about on the weekdays. I think it really depends on the venue. You know, uh, I think Chicago venues 
really do live and die by seasonality. Yeah. Um, and there are very few places that can transition through each season successfully. Mm-hmm. You know, you're either, you know, Cindy's rooftop and you got it popping in the summer or you're the cherry circle room. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the sexiest dungeon in the city. And in the winter, it is the perfect place to they be. They got the milk bar as well, which is yeah. so sick. Yeah. They're, they're just amazing the venues. It's but it's like... In the summer, people want to be outside. Mm-hmm. They want to be in the sunlight, you know. And I feel like it even, you know, changes um, the time of day when people are out. Oh, yeah. You know, I feel like in the summer, people are out all day. Early. Like nine o'clock and people are like, yo, let's go. Yeah. Get a drink. yeah. Now, and, even, like, I'll meet my wife at, for a drink after work and I'm like, hey, you want to go to Money Gun? And she's like, no, I love Money Gun, but it's too dark. It's summertime. We got to be outside. Like, yeah. somewhere sunny. That's the thing. Yeah. So I, I think that it, it really depends on, you know, how your venue set up you know do you have windows do you have sunlight do you have a patio space or you know are you a more intimate you know sexier vibe that will thrive in the winter you I know usually when am. it's hell it's dark at 3 p.m in the right, winter so right. fuck does it matter at that yeah. point <laughs> walking through gray slush yeah, yeah. Oh. nothing you don't want let's let's not focus on that right now though oh there was one question i was going to ask you but i forgot Oh, Callum, do you have a question, comment, concern? Um, no, man, I just think it's great that you're taking some time. Hopefully we can get you back on in the future. Yeah, I'm in excited gig, to, to, you know, to whatever, be invited. Whatever that might be. Yeah, I mean... Or start your own podcast Ooh, as you were talking podcast earlier. Podcast collab. Yeah, there we go. Look at that. Talk about constant collaboration, lads. <laughs> Look at us expanding our networks. <laughs> we try every single day. As you said, networking is the key. But yeah, man, I'd I'd love to come back and kick it once I figure out what I will do for gainful employment, um, <laughs> you know, and then I can talk some more shit about whatever. Who knows? There's always things to talk shit about. Oh God, every week there's. It'll probably be the winter, so we'll have plenty to complain about. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. I'm really um, good at complaining. <laughs> uh, no, I I think it's um. I think it's a good city that we have uh, all established some roots inside of if Callum stays. The government might ask him to leave, but I know having you here, it's been great. Um, obviously, Edo was very beneficial to that, and places that you go to in the future will know. Uh, Westward, help, you help expand in this city, which is an awesome distillery that uh, I have a lot of you know, emotions too, because uh, we, we used to do a lot of work together back in the day when Star Wars first launched in the U.S. And you're like, oh, yeah. yeah, those collaborations were some of the very first things we did as activations in America. And you're like, oh, cool. We have like a local distillery. It's kind of not a local distillery, but American distillery. It has the same roots, I guess, essentially of we're launching now nationally and trying to expand yeah. this thing out through the entire country. Now and we're like unofficial partners. For, yeah, yeah. For a while. It was. It was, it was kind of weird, but... Um, got constant con- collaboration. Constant confusion. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you work for Westward and Starward? Sure. All the wards. All and, the wards. And Mr. Black. Throw it in. <laughs> throw it in. Throw Mr. Black, too. Um, always confusion with that. But uh, Kyle, awesome conversation. Um, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks yeah, for sharing thank your story. You. Thank I you. think think you're inspiring us people this conversation, too. So uh, appreciate that. Uh, any last words, Kyle? No. Thank you very much, Kyle. Oh. Gang, gang. <laughs>